This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is my theory. Everyone has like this one thing or more things that they do just to get by. And those are like the things that I'm really interested in. Like what is the thing that you do day to day that helps you just stay committed, creative, happy, vibrant? Like those, that, that is what I consider advice. Welcome back to Working. I'm your host, June Thomas. And I'm your other host, Zach Rosen. That's right. We're breaking format this week. Instead of our usual interview, I invited friend of the show, Zach Rosen, to share some of the amazing creative advice that he's heard from guests on his wonderful podcast, The Best Advice Show. Zach, tell us a bit about your show. Well, first of all, June, thank you so much for having me. It's so nice to be a friend of a great show that I love. So it's an honor to be here. Um, Thank you. But my show, yeah. So The Best Advice Show... I had been thinking about it and and planning it before COVID, but then I ended up launching it like a month into the pandemic um, in April of 2020. Mm -hmm. And that was a time when we had all just started hibernating and our daily commutes were out the window for those of us who did drive. Um, And so everything was so irregular and unstructured. And my show just became something that because it's so short, it's mm-hmm. like three to five minutes usually, it became something that you could listen to, you know, while you're folding like a half a basket of laundry or <laughs> doing a couple dishes. And like, I fell so far behind on my, you know, long form podcasts yes. um, in, in the past year. And I wanted to give people a chance to get something substantive without, you know, needing to um, spend too much time doing it. And it's really simple. The concept is I talk to a different person every episode and they give me one piece of advice. Like I'm pretty rigid about that because yeah. um, a lot of people um, could give me <laughs> an hour's worth of advice, but it's like, no, I want to hear one thing. We'll talk about it for a couple minutes and then you can be on your way. So that was the the kind of seed of the idea. Well, I, I really love the show and I, I really appreciate that it's short. I'm not one of these people who wants every podcast to be short. Sometimes I want to just settle in and listen to like an almost endless conversation. There are some shows, you know, they they could never stop recording and I, I would listen to every word. And But I also like, you know, I want variety. I want variety of lengths. Um, and I really appreciate that they're very focused. You are going to learn something on the show. And I also appreciate how many different kinds of people you ask for advice of, um, you you also put out a call to listeners uh, for their advice. So it's very democratic. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. 
And I think there's something like it's kind of flattering isn't really the right word because flattering sounds like you don't mean it, like it's not sincere. But I, I believe your request for advice is very sincere and asking anybody to, you know, to share some thoughts, to share some insights it really is showing them that you value their their opinions, that you value their advice. Uh, and I get a lot from it every time I listen. So uh, all, all props to the Best Advice Show. Thank you. This is my theory. Everyone has at least one solid jewel of advice. <laughs> and like, you know, in, in my... Um, the best case scenario for me is like, eventually everyone that speaks English could yeah. be on this show. Yeah. Well, maybe I could even get a translator. Yeah. But like, you know, anyone is welcome because everyone has like this one thing or more things that they do just to get by. Yeah. And those are like the things that I'm really interested in. Like, what is the thing that you do day to day that helps you just stay, you know, committed, mm -hmm, creative, mm -hmm. happy, vibrant? Like mm -hmm. those that that is what I consider advice. Yeah, that's amazing. So Later on the show, you'll be playing some snippets from uh, creative advice that you have gotten over the years on your show. Um, mm -hmm. But Slate Plus listeners will also get to hear a special treat, which is some creative advice from Zach. Listeners, you really don't want to miss that. Fortunately, it's incredibly easy to subscribe to Slate Plus. You'll get exclusive members-only content, zero ads on any Slate podcast, full access to articles on Slate.com without hitting a paywall, bonus episodes of shows like One Year and Big Mood, Little Mood with Daniel M. Lavery, and you'll be supporting the work we do here on Working. It's only $1 for the first month. To sign up, go to Slate.com slash Working Plus. What's the best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day in everyday situations. But if that's not on the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. I've used apps in the past to learn new languages, but when I came across Babbel, I wondered if it could help me refresh my knowledge of a language I once spoke well, but was now a little bit or quite a lot rusty. I have to say, I was impressed. The advanced lessons were really useful tips and idioms that can help with in-depth conversations on topics that I can actually imagine chatting about. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel is designed by real people for real conversations, and the tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. What's more, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for working listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for working listeners, at babbel.com working. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com working, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash working. Rules and restrictions may apply. Okay, Zach, three times a week, you share one piece of actionable advice that comes from the mind and life of an interesting and often successful person. I noticed a few themes in the snippets that you've kindly agreed to share with working listeners. 
The first is what I guess you could call like getting down to it. You know how you move from thinking, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. "Oh, I'd like to write a poem," so to actually doing it. Well, actually, a few people had some words of wisdom about what to choose to put creative energy into. Yes, this first piece of advice comes from Matt Berninger. He's the singer and songwriter from the band The National,、um, and he says. That the most important thing, at least when he's starting a new song, it's like the seeds have to be exciting. If the seeds of the, of the idea, the first, you know, aren't exciting, then in, in your in your planting it in soil that's rocky and you don't not in the mood to do it, it's like you're not going to want to you're not going to run and raise that tree. You're not going to want to you're not going to want to like go back to it. You're not going to keep watering this idea that you weren't even sure of the seed was. You don't even want to eat that plant. Maybe it's you know maybe it's poisonous or something, and so I, I, I find just like go back, find new seeds, and go find a new place to plant them, and 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 then you'll be excited about raising that tree and that plant and and pruning it and doing the craft part of it and selling it, taking it to market, you know. Wow, I feel like plant-based advice. That's really <laughs> very hip. <laughs> so organic. Yeah, organic. You know, like a lot of the best advice that. Kind of seems obvious, but I suspect that almost every human has taken wrong turns. You know about what they choose to put their energy into. You know, you start on a path, and something that feels like momentum kind of makes it hard to question if you're on the right path. You don't want to、mm-hmm. lose your focus. You don't want to have to take a step back on the career ladder if you you know move off the path.、Um, basically, you don't want to admit you're wrong, but you really have to. Yeah, and I think it'll save you time and energy in the long yeah, run if you can、sure. like figure out if and when you're wrong. Yeah.、Um, and this idea of you know taking a step back or you know kind of falling off the the career ladder it reminds me of some advice I got from a career coach.、Mm. Her name is Megan Hellerer.、Um, actually, AOC、Ooh. is a former client of hers. Wow. Um, like AOC before she was a congresswoman when she was a bartender went and and worked and worked with Megan.、Um, And Megan says this really helpful thing about how we can frame our career paths or creative paths. It's this dichotomy she set up between destinational thinking and directional thinking. The old way of doing things, the sort of like boomer way of doing things, has been destinational thinking. So destinational thinking is. The stuff of ten-year linear plans. You choose a destination. You figure out. You reverse engineer your path to that thing, usually based on what other people have done.、Um, and you put your head down and you focus and you don't get distracted and you make it happen. Right.、And、you work your way us, toward the thing. You get the promotion. Your mindset on being a manager and you start as a intern and you climb the ladder linearly. Exactly. And the problem with that is that it assumes that the world and us are fixed. So that assumes that the ladder that you're climbing is going to still be the exact same ladder that you are climbing now when you're whatever 65 or whatever the destinational place is that you're trying to get to. It also assumes that you aren't going to have any changing desires or interests during that time. That whatever is interesting to you when you make that plan is going to be the thing that is interesting to you for that entire time. So it doesn't allow us any room for growth. We want to have directional thinking, which means you start. You the only thing you're responsible for, the only thing you need to know is which direction you're heading to. 
the best way I can articulate this is an EL Doctoro quote, which is, um, it's like driving in a car at night. You can only see as far as the headlights in front of you, but you can make the whole trip that way. Right. So it's like, you don't have to have this master plan or, or ultimate goal, which sometimes I feel like we feel pressure to have, you yeah. know, as as working people or artists. It's like you don't need to know where you're going to end up. Megan just says, if we can, you know, take these incremental steps, we'll probably end up in the right place because, you know, each of these steps, we just have to figure out, like, if we're going, if we're honoring our curiosity, really, mm-hmm. like you, 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 you work on a new project and it's like kind of like what Matt said, like. Is this exciting? Do you want to like yeah. jump in the air for this, or are you not feeling it? And if you're not feeling it, like, well, go in a direction where you will be feeling excited or curious about it. Um, yeah. And that question, what am I curious about? Like, it's simple in a way, but also it might be hard to think about. Or it might be overwhelming um, yeah. because you might be curious about like so many things, right? Yeah, you know, one thing that I've done when I've wanted to find, like, okay. When you have that opportunity where you're like, okay, I can do anything. I can pick any topic. What do I want to... I'll look at my bookshelves and what I have a lot of books about. Mm. Because, like, that was something I must have been, you know, just curious about in a big way. Because I kept yes. buying more. I kept reading more and buying more. Uh, do you, do any of your uh, advice givers have any advice about narrowing down curiosity, though? Yes, actually... Um... I talked to Gretchen Rubin, who is, Mm. she's a famous podcaster and author. Um, Her podcast is called Happier. And she seems like this kind of fully realized, like, happiness guru. Um, But that wasn't always her path. And actually, before she became this author and podcaster, she was, she trained as a lawyer. She clerked for Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor. Whoa. Um, Like, that's like, she she was like at the highest level of of law. But she came to this realization about how that world made her feel. And in retrospect, she's found that a very helpful question that we can ask ourselves when we are trying to figure out what we're curious about or figure out what our path is, we can all ask ourselves this right now. Whom do I envy? Ooh. And now envy is a, it's, it's a very unpleasant emotion. We often don't want to admit to ourselves or to other people that we do feel envy. But it's a very helpful emotion because what it's showing us is that somebody has something that we wish we had for ourselves. And that's a very, very useful thing to know. And in my case, um, I remember reading, you know how you get those alumni magazines from your college? And I was reading about all the different people in my class. And I noticed that some people had really interesting law jobs. And I was, I was like, oh, that sounds great. And then some people had really interesting writing jobs. And I was sick with envy. And I thought, well, I should learn something from that because those are the people that I envy. They are the ones that have something that I wish that I had myself. That was amazing. Fantastic advice. Focus on the envy that just eats you up. Don't waste the green monster on the person who got the last umbrella in a rainstorm. Like, <laughs> that's, that's just, you know, penny ante stuff. Keep it for the folks who just make you want to spit. That's amazing advice. A hundred percent. Um can I ask you, I'm really curious, who are the people you envied as a as a young writer? 
Oh, that's actually a very easy question for me to answer from when I was a, a young person, and it was Jeanette Winterson. We come from similar backgrounds, at least class-wise, and the part of Britain that we grew up in wise, uh, though I did not have the religious upbringing that she wrote about so compellingly in her earlier books, especially Oranges Are Not the Only Fruit. Hmm. Of course, she has an amazing way with sentences, but mostly when I think back on it, it was her confidence that I was captured by. That was the element that she had that I felt I lacked. Mm-hmm. I tried to learn from her attitude. Uh, and I, I think actually, you know, that like being more confident, it seems like it's not something you can kind of will yourself into. But I think if you kind of think of some examples of... Uh, people who just seem so confident like you you can kind of study them and and maybe a little bit will rub off on you when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so once you figured out what it is that you're passionate about and curious about, how do you proceed? Phil Rosenthal shared a tip with you about that. Who's Phil Rosenthal? He is the creator of Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh, that little show. Yeah, just a tiny little indie. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so like one of the most successful sitcoms ever. And he's also now perhaps better known or or more contemporarily known as um, the host of Somebody Feed Phil on Netflix, yeah. which is like a delightful food show. It's like if you we can't travel because of COVID, but we can watch that show <laughs> and kind of get a little bit of that itch scratched. Yeah. And so Phil told me the best single piece of advice I ever got was from an old showrunner named Ed Weinberger who I asked for advice from when I was writing the pilot for Raymond. And he said this, do the show you want to do because in the end, they're going to cancel you anyway. It's a way of life, not just about the sitcom. We all get canceled one day. So live your life. And what's the alternative? What's the, what's the flip side of, of that advice, not making the show you want to make what, what happens to you then? You take all the notes from the studio and, and then you're dead anyway because you took probably because you took their notes and they made it terrible, but they don't take the, the blame for that. They blame you. Sorry. You're, either way, you're out of luck. Most things don't get on the air, right? Most things don't. So if they're going to cancel you anyway. If you're not going to get on, why do what they want? How do you think that that advice applies to, to folks that don't make TV? Once you're in a position, where you can call the shots a little bit, right? Where you, you, you've already worked on other people's things. You've worked for other people. If you were opening a store, and it was finally your store and you'd saved up enough money, right? Would you take advice from everybody on what should be in that store? You might listen to everyone, but at the end of the day, you put in that store what you want to put in that store, what you want to sell in that store. If you're making sandwiches, you're going to make the sandwich the way you think it should be made, not the way that guy thinks it could be made, unless you agree that that's better. But if you don't think it's better, why would you listen to that guy? It's your store. It's your sandwich. Okay. 
That is really great advice, actually very practical, but only once you've established yourself, like once you have the money to open the... Yeah, true. Once you have the money to open your dream store, as he kind of sketched it out. But when you're still at the stage of your career, when you're depending on people to give you a chance to prove yourself, it can be really hard to manage Mm -hmm. your emotional investment in that process. Chelsea Devantes had some good guidance for that. Who's she? Chelsea is a prolific writer and filmmaker. And most recently, she's the new head writer on the Jon Stewart Apple Plus show. Um, Oh, my. Wow. Yeah, that's like, again, like from Phil Rosenthal to this. It's like, these are very um, successful people. Like, how can I relate to them? But, um, you know, up until recently, like, I think, I can't speak for her, but it seemed like she doesn't know, like, necessarily where her next job was coming from. Mm. Um, Mm. Because working in art and creativity, it's so tenuous when it comes to to landing jobs and projects and some stuff goes through and some stuff doesn't. And so Chelsea thinks it's important to line up another project when you're midway through your current project. So if you get like your dream show and you're going to pitch it, now line up your dream feature. And before you can hear the answer to one of them, you've already put so much momentum into the second one that you can never hit the ground completely because the momentum of the next project is already holding you up. Yeah. So you're saving yourself from that like awful deflation, devastation moment when they say we're not picking up your show and now you're nothing because that you had all your eggs in that basket. So you're, you're spreading out your eggs. You're spreading out your eggs and you're also, it's like when you get that devastating news, you have like a net, which is like, well, I'm still working on this other thing. So I can't fall too hard because I pulled, yeah, I've, I've, I've held up some of my emotions with the other projects. Oh man, that really speaks to me. Like so many creative projects require you to do like really deep work and make yourself vulnerable all while you're aware that you might do all that work and expose yourself and still not Mm -hmm. get to take the next step. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's very wise counsel, even though it is kind of playing games with yourself, like playing games with yourself can be like, that can be a really smart thing to do. Yeah, you gotta have to trick yourself. Yeah. All right, well, we'll have more advice from Zach Rosen and The Best Advice Show after this break. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Okay, we're back with Zach Rosen and the Best Advice Show. Okay, now let's hear some ideas for when you found your passion and your work seems to be improving. So much so that you look back on your old stuff and you get embarrassed. Yeah, I mean, I feel like anyone I talk to is so embarrassed about their early work. Is that is that true for you? Fortunately, it's it can be hard to find. Uh, I'm I'm in the pre-online uh, era, but I I think of <laughs> so that all the time. Oh my god, yeah. So I I feel I think about that all the time for for 
you know, contemporary writers and contemporary artists uh, whose who's everything is available. Yeah. And um, Hanif Abdurraqib, who is a poet and a journalist, and now he hosts like 400 podcasts. <laughs> um, he's incredible. And he has some advice that honestly I think about, if not every day, several times a week. I see people talking about this idea of growth and it has to be paired with a disdain for the work that one created before they grew. And I think a way that I've avoided that is by understanding that I did the best I could with what tools I had. And because I wrote that book, I was able to grow and write something else. Um, Sure, you might hate your first poem, but because of that poem, you were able to write better poems. You did what you could with the tools that you had, and then you got new tools. And I think that's kind of a freeing, a freeing experience, or at least it feels like a freeing experience to me. Oh, hear, hear. To keep doing whatever our creative work is, we have to feel that we're getting better at it. But that doesn't mean we have to hate what came first. I love exactly, Hanif's, exactly. Yeah, I love Hanif's concept of appreciating it as necessary preparation. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some related advice here where, you know, it doesn't matter if you're trying to be a professional artist or just trying to be creative, um, yeah. you know, with, with no audience, which is completely righteous and valid, too. Um, and I think this next piece of advice from a writer and teacher, her name is Holly Wren Spaulding. She talks about how it doesn't matter how long this period of time is, but it's very important for any of us who are embarking on creative work to create our own autonomous zone. In other words, to have free spaces in your life, free of other people, free of the profit motive, you know, the the pressure to be earning a living during that time, free of interruption, free of social media, free of duties and obligations that you know, impinge on, for one thing, the imagination. And the way in which this is practiced in my life most diligently is in the morning hours, which from 7 to 10 a.m. I treat as sacrosanct. There's no appointments, no email, no social media, no interaction with family members. That's my writing time. Do you think for people that don't have a creative practice, there's value in creating these autonomous zones? Absolutely. And that's why I think it is, at its core to me, it's about a couple of different things. It's a, it is about practicing being free. Like, who am I and what do I care about when I'm not sort of being, um, you know, sort of bounced from obligation to obligation or duty to duty? My life is not free of those things. Yours isn't. They exist. I think of this time as helping me be more well-resourced for when I do have to go engage with the drudgery or make a living or whatever it is. But the, this idea that we can get to know ourselves in that, in that free space, have a secret life, like a life that doesn't belong to anyone else, that we don't easily give up. And that's a big deal, I think. Yeah, I feel like creating your own autonomous zone might be one of the kindest things you can do for yourself. Yeah, it's a nice way. Do you do that? that. Oh. Do you have your own autonomous zone? I try to, but I often fail. Um, 
I'm trying to do that on weekends uh, because that's when I work on my own project rather than my employer's. But it's hard. Um, you know, not in my case, you know, I don't have kids. I don't really have kind of caregiving responsibilities. Um, but it's there's always something, right? We don't get enough time with our partners uh, mm-hmm. or our kids and our friends or all those things. So closing yourself off from those really important people and really important relationships mm-hmm. um, is hard. Uh because and and I don't think that that's a bad thing. I don't think that's uh, kind of downgrading your creative work. Like that's a real balance to find. Um, you don't want to just go into a cave. Uh, that's not actually good for you or your work. So it's just a kind of a yeah. It's all about finding balance. I think. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Our last bit of advice comes from writer Heather Radke, and it is deep. What did Heather tell you? Yeah, I think similar to the Hanif advice about being kind to ourselves about our old work, this is another thing that I think about a lot. And the advice is, I mean, on its face, it's simple, but I think once you you get into it, 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 it's pretty dense and um, powerful. And the advice is investigate your shame. Because I feel like that as an artist, as a writer it's been a very fruitful part of my practice. I've done it in a number of different ways. And then I also just feel like as a person, when you start to really get curious about why you're ashamed of something, you end up finding out so much more than you could have ever expected. And in this case, you know, and I think in a lot of cases, you end up finding really interesting political material, you know, that the shame around a certain kind of body is a shame around race and gender and, gendered ideas of bodies and racialized ideas of bodies that we kind of hold in ourselves without ever knowing it because it doesn't it you almost you know the nature of shame is that you almost don't want to bring it into your consciousness fully so that means that there's a lot you kind of don't understand about it and you don't experience you know you don't you don't like unless you really think about it and you really try to unpack it then you don't fully understand what's kind of creating the shame in the first place. Wow. Yes, yes. On a recent episode of Working, I spoke with Charlie Jane Anders about her book of writing advice, which is called Never Say You Can't Survive. It's a really great book. It's absolutely cram-jammed with practical suggestions. But the one that really stuck with me was that writers need to find their characters' pain points and really explore them. Not to be mean to your imaginary friends, but because the unpleasant things we tend to avoid are full of interesting, surprising, challenging emotions. Like that's where a lot of good stuff is. 100%. Um, Similar, you know, relatedly, I think about something that this um, kind of legendary radio producer from Canada, Neil Sandel said at a at a conference I was at, this has got to be over 10 years ago, it was at the Third Coast International Audio Festival, but I can remember the the moment so well. I was sitting, I think I was sitting in the front row, and when he said this thing about, similar to, to what Charlie Jane Anders said, but he, he phrased it as, find the tender parts of a person's life. When we're, I mean, I'm an interviewer, and so, you know, in interviews, like, figure out what is tender to someone. Figure out what are the things that they might have never said out loud before and once you can once you can get into that it's like that's that's what i want to 
here. That's the interesting stuff. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Oh, God, that's that's amazing. Zach, thank you so much for bringing all these wonderfully life-changing bits of advice to our show. I'm sure it has left our listeners wondering where they can find more. So where can they find the Best Advice Show? Thank you so much for having me. This has been honestly such an honor and so fun. Um, you can get the Best Advice Show wherever you listen to working. It's on all the podcast players. I'm starting to upload episodes to YouTube because I understand that people listen to podcasts on YouTube. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, get it there. You can also find us at bestadvice.show. Uh, I'm on Instagram more than I should be at Best Advice Show. <laughs> And uh, yeah, three times a week, really short episodes. And I, I need to just say, I want your advice. Call me at 844-935-BEST and you'll end up on the show. <laughs> do it, people. Do it. Uh, June has thank- been on. June has been on the show. I need to, <laughs> I have. I need to put that in there. <laughs> I, have, I have been on the show. Uh, uh, although I don't know how, how uh, life-changing my advice was, but uh, nevertheless, please, I love hey. being on the show. Be kind about your be kind about your past work, June. Oh, I will. Nothing? I will. Thank you. Good point. Good point. Yeah, <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> all right. Thank you to all the kind, generous people who shared their wisdom with the Best Advice Show, and thanks to Zach for his fabulous podcast, but also for producing this episode of Working. We'll be back next week with a kind of regular show, but for the moment, get back to work. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.